0: suck it and see that's what he said what if what if you've got a guy that's got just a regular home studio and he's got like six or seven mics for the drums where Where do you put them
1: yeah um i actually like top end bottom snare drum i i, I like i like what the bottom snare drum does um uh to the top mic because it it brings in a little bit of of eq that you don't need to do with an eq you know, you can just kind of feather in a little bit of the snares and it just kind of brightens up the snare drum without having to, like, crank a bunch of EQ. And then, you know, you crank a bunch of EQ on your snare drum. Now Now it's just a glorified hi-hat mic, right?
2: Mm.
1: Unless you got somebody that has their hi-hats up. You kind of, it's like, it's like, hey, dude, do you mind raising the cymbal up a little from that mic so that it's not just a, you know. I mixed Vinnie Coluda not too long ago on Bill Champlin's record. And it was a little bit of a challenge and I know I know why, because he's you know, he's a hero of mine, but his ride symbol is way down, right over that twelve inch tom, right? So the ride symbol, so there's a tom on the there's a mic on the tom and there's a ride symbol really close to that mic, and that tom just that tom mic just turns into a ride symbol mic, you know? So you end up having to just be like, okay, fuck it. It's Vinnie Collier That sounds great. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. You know. But uh, yeah, yeah, I like mics on toms. Um, I actually like mics in the bass drum. I like that for certain types of music. For you know, for the eighteen-inch kick drum jazz thing, um, I like to kind of maybe bring a dynamic mic over by where the beater hits the drum because um, that's, like, a real nice sound, because, like, an an 18-inch jazz bass drum is... It's really more like a tom-tom, you know? And if you mic it from the front, that's a cool sound, too. But you don't... You actually don't get any of the brightness from where the beater hits it. So I'll kind of have one... I'll have one by the beater and one by the front, you know? Um, Lately, like... I really like what um, they call it parallel compression, you know does to drums where you have you have your drums uncompressed and natural or mildly compressed and mildly natural <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh and then you 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 bring up basically t- to hear um, to get more of the lower level dynamics like let's say you have a drummer that's playing ghost strokes on the snare drum and you have three rock guitars. <laughs> and you're like, "Wow, I really want to hear some ghost strokes. Like he's playing this cool thing, but I put the guitars in and they have all the power and I can't hear the ghost strokes. All I hear is the 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 peak cuz drums are all peak. They're very, you know, there's a difference between peak and RMS, like average level and peak level." Yep. And uh guitars are like RMS, <laughs> you know, like guitars have so much, you know. I mean, Scott, yeah. how many times are you pulling the guitars down so yeah, you hear it's the drum? All
0: com- it's all compressed, but yeah,
1: they're yeah. just they're just yeah. average level. Yeah. So what you can do is you can make a duplicate of, like, let's say that snare drum that, that needs the ghost strokes, and you can make a duplicate of that track and make it to where all the peak stuff is getting compressed down but all the quiet stuff is coming up. Hmm. And then you can just blend the quiet stuff. Instead of compressing the snare drum and just getting an awful snare drum sound, you can blend in the lower level information on another channel. Ah, okay. Like you would a reverb. Right. You
0: know?
2: Like on a
1: bus. And then
0: like, what? Like on a bus.
1: Yeah, like on a bus. Or even nowadays, you just duplicate a track.
0: I see, right.
1: Put a compressor on one and not on the other. Mm Yeah and just knock down the loud stuff on one of them and try to try to bring up the quiet stuff cuz that's what compressors do. Is they knock down the loud stuff hopefully and then when you turn it back up to the same level what happens is the quiet stuff right. is now closer to the loud stuff. Right. So, it's but not then, rocket science.
0: But well, then there's this, there's that stuff that you still have to do manually note by note because like I I know, you know, just from watching you work you can put you can compress the bass, because you know the bass is a clean sound. So there's some bass players that I've worked with, like say Anthony Jackson. That guy, every time he hits a note on his bass, it's the same volume as the last note he hit on his bass. It's so it's, even. It's but nice. he's a professional studio bass player, right? And that's what he's that's what he's being paid to do. He's so good at it. But you take your average bass. Jazz bass player like Romaine, you know, right. Bass player, right? And he's playing all this great shit, but the volume levels are just going haywire. You know, one note is way louder. So you put a compressor on him, but you reach that point where you go, I can't compress him any more than this, or it's going to start sounding unnatural,
1: all right? So, so then you, you just distort him so you can hear it. Yeah,
0: so you <laughs> kind of do as much as you can with the compressor. And Bruce is so excited. Look at Bruce. He's so
1: into it. <laughs> he's
0: like, well, check it out. They- I'm compressed right now. I'm yeah, you're compressed. compressed. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, compressed. Alan, then I have to go in, and then once he's compressed and everything is kind of sounding better, I still have to go in and, and, and go, I need that note, and I can't hear it. So I have to cut that one note and make that one note louder, you know what I mean? Just so it yeah. sounds like it's not going but da <laughs> you know, the, like, oh yeah! out of oh, it, yeah.
1: Right? I I heard a great story about Motown, like James Jamerson. James Jamerson was such a great bass player, and uh, um, Barry Gordy walked in the the playback in the control room one day, and there was a couple girls in there, and the girls were dancing, you know, and and the bass was bumping, you know, and and he looks at his engineer and he goes, he goes man, what you doing to the bass today? You know? And, and, the guy, and the guy goes, oh, the same thing I always do. You know, James came in and he plugged, because James James would come in and, you know, he'd go into the the tube, the DI, and he'd turn up the, the, the board pre until it just barely distorted. And then he'd go into a, a, a one side of the Fairchild and then into a Pultec with some 100 on it, for all you geeks. <laughs> um, and so... You know, he'd be like, "Yeah, what are you doing at the base today?" And the guy, the, the girls are dancing, and they're super into it. And the guy goes, Noth- nothing, same thing, same same stuff." He's like, "Wow, really?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Gordy, it's coming up on two channels." You know, which is like, you know, would be louder because it's coming up on two channels, like a parallel compression, right? Right. And he goes, oh, I'll undo that right away. And the girls are dancing. And, and he goes, no, no, no. Do that every time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pull so, it up every time like that. So. Oh, man. It works. It works. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to pull Bruce's. If I ever get to do audio for Bruce, I'm going to pull up Bruce's guitar tone on the whole board. It's just going to say, <laughs>
2: Bruce. <laughs> wow, let's do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alan. Hey, Alan. Alan, do you ever um, use drum replacer, like, with sounds and stuff? Do you have to do a lot of that, or are you kind of against that? If
1: No, I'll do it, but I'll, I'll, I'll grab the sample. I'll grab the sample from the performance, from the actual drummer. Mm, right. So I'll just find a place where he goes, like, ta! And I'll just be like that. Right. And I'll grab that sample, and then that sample will go in just as a helper, just Especially if it's like doo 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 and the guy has like going to ping pong, pong, ping, pong, pong, you know, and I'm like, well, I just want it to like rock like ACDC, you know, right, right. I'll i grab a little helper and and not replace the not replace it, but augment the drum with something that's really consistent. Yeah, you know, yeah. you
0: know, you know where. Alan has really helped me a lot, Troy, is is, is um, he'll come into a session, you know, one of my tunes where it's just my nature to record the guitars fat, you know, to make them all sound big. And Alan will say, dude, they can't all sound fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: otherwise, Otherwise they just step on each other, right? So he'll figure out which guitars to thin out and show me how he's thinning them out and, and if I thin them out in a bad way, like a lot of times my basic, I guess, just instinct is to sometimes cut mid-range. Like if I want a, a, a rhythm guitar track to stay out of the way of my solo, I might cut like a, a, a thousand, you know, 1K, just so it becomes sort of more scooped. So it stays out of the way of the other guitars. And Alan might come in and say, "No, don't do it that way. Do it this way," and he'll boost something instead. You know, turn it down. Yeah, or I mean, it could be a booster, a cut, but it's like something that I would have never thought of to do. Mm. He yeah, it and goes, "No, this is how you do that." So, well, what this i is how do I do it. <laughs> well. Yeah, but you know you've got so much more experience doing it. So you know, well, if you have you a bright,
1: a- if you have a bright tone, you can hear it when it's quiet. If you have a bright tone and you turn it up loud, you don't even you don't want to hear it. You're like, I don't like that tone because it's it's bright, it's annoying, it's loud. But if you took that same bright, annoying sound and you turned it down way in the back, you'd still hear it back there and it wouldn't be annoying. Right. Where if you took this nice, beautiful, lush tone and you turned it up loud. It would be great. You'd be like, "Wow, this is a nice tone. Mm. It's not. It's not hurting me. This is a nice sound." But if you were to turn that down, you wouldn't hear it because it would be so puffy in the back. You know what
0: I mean? I do. But, I, but I'm asking a question. Let me. I'm trying to ask this question in a way. That yeah. Are are cutting our, cutting
1: uh, mid cutting mid range?
0: Well, what I'm trying to ask is that. Especially when it comes to guitar, but I imagine it it goes for everything. But but for the guitar players who are listening to our show, like when you decide like you're going to do something EQ a track of guitar, and it could be a lead track, or it could be a melody track, or a rhythm track, or a background track. When you decide to start turning those knobs, (laughs) what, what makes you? What's the thing that makes you decide? To turn which knob is it just the vast experience that you have knowing what every single frequency is that you yeah know that's that's what it sounds where like
1: that that from low mid-range you know from low mid-range into the mid-range that's that's a very slippery slope because if you don't have enough low mid-range your 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 your, your tone sounds funny and if you have too much low mid-range you can mask bay you can mask the bass you can mask certain things you know unless you're you know you're just playing in a trio and you got a polytone and and you got all this beautiful low mid-range and the drummers playing a bop kit and you got the bass player and then that's it but when you have like all this stuff going on um, that low mid-range area is like it's where the soul the heart and soul of, of of tone of those guitar tones are that we love it the you know it's nice to hear some bloom some right. Ooh, you know but but you can't you, you can you, not everybody gets to win if there's seven guitars, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You just gotta yeah. decide.
0: When you start to the when you start to EQ, like the first thing that crosses your mind is like, okay, I know what two fifty sounds like, and sure. this guitar needs less of it. So yeah. you just, but basically you need to know your colors, right? It's just like yeah, you just need to know red from blue, you need to know yeah. two fifty from five. So yeah, two
1: fifty from five hundred from from eight hundred from 125 from you
0: have that in your ear yeah so that's where that's where you go to that knob because you have it in your Mm -hmm. ear you know where to go
1: yeah and you know you can just do a tet. you can just you can just practice that just start with the knobs to the left like just cut cut a bunch of hundred like cut like 10 db of 100 at like at a at a bell and then just sweep up and hear how it influences your guitar tone like when when you know it'll be much you know cutting 250 will be will be thinner in the mid range than cutting 500 mm. because you're going to lose that you're going to lose that you're going to lose more bass if you're cutting 250 and You're cutting 500 you're you're going to you're going to lose the head cold you're going to lose the all oh. so if i if i hear something that's like aww, 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 all there's two ways to deal with that either boost upper mid-range until that goes away we're like or cut. Oh, <laughs> cut that cut that and turn it back up right. you know i mean there, a lot of times i think digital sound is already is already small enough so if i get handed like a an sg through a fender let's say a fender super with with a 441 on it and it's all right and it sounds like it has a head cold a lot of times i'm like okay i could either cut all the meat out of this thing and then turn it back up or i could just add some aggressive upper mid range to try and balance out where it is and in digital music i i kind of i kind of like that because i know i'm not making the sound any smaller
3: Hmm.
1: you know what i mean and sometimes i feel like it it's like I, it doesn't need to get any smaller but it's definitely honky so i'll just actually boost enough shit to make it less honky you know do you, and, and maybe maybe squeeze it down
2: what what do you prefer what are you recording uh at your studio what's ba- the basic setup there
1: for guitars?
2: Well, for, for what you rec-
1: the gear that you use. You're a Pro Tools guy. Is that? I'm a Pro Tools guy, and and uh, I had a Studer eight twenty seven in here for the two inch stuff, but yep. that I sold that to uh, to Oceanway Studios because or the United Western recorders for their archive department now. So wow! They're, they're archiving. Uh, they're using my machine to like archive old two inch tapes of all the old like Joni Mitchell records and Zeppelin. So I thought that was it's better off over there And, the and the $12,000 is better off in the drawer. <laughs> you know. And uh I have an old Ampex tape deck like a 440. Yep. Cuz I used to hang at you know Johnny Otis. Yeah. Johnny Otis like hand jive. But, oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
1: you know, he's the great Johnny Otis. One of the fathers of rhythm and blues and he had a son Suggie Otis. Um I got, they gave me a lot of recording gear and they gave me this big giant Ampex uh, 16-track two-inch tape deck and uh, it had like lots of water damage so I I just couldn't get it going and I always loved the sound of those old records so I bought a four-track version of it, an old Ampex uh, four-track version of it and I have a little four-bus console so if I ever want to get retro and, and hear those sounds, I'll just bring everybody into the console and just... Um, do a four track.
2: Wow. And <laughs> That's it. Do you, do you, Alan, do you re- prefer to record to a certain are you at 96k or 48? Where do, do you have Yeah, a- I'm
1: at 96k. Right. I was at I was at 882 for a while cuz everybody was telling me like, "Oh, 882 is half is twice as much as 441 where your CD is going to end up and the dithering is going to be all that stuff." But I just started to kind of like 96k the sound of it better than 88 too. i started to, i started to whatever i started to feel better listening to it so mm. you know and i do notice it when i go back to like a 48k or a 441. i notice it i i it it feels boxier to me i could be full of shit but um uh, it does okay. it feels boxier right it feels box it's not as open yeah,
2: and what about what awesome. about some of the other new platforms? On like um, Universal Audio, got the new Luna out. Have you checked out any of the, the other systems? And got any thoughts on those at all? Or yeah,
1: i i, I recorded um, I recorded a whole project on that Universal Audio thing, and it was kind of eye opening because the studio didn't really have a lot of outboard gear, you know, and um, they had this thing. And I kind of like to do the tones and then record them that way, like you know, if I have a if I have a sound that if I if I twist a little EQ and it sounds better than the sound without the EQ, you just record it in that way because the better is better, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or if you need to put a little mild compression on a bass player or a singer or whatever, it's it's kind of cool to get that going in. And that's that that um Apollo thing was kind of cool because I could put on the um, I could put on the, the pictures of the real gear.
2: The plug <laughs> the yeah, the plugins. Screen. Yeah, yep.
1: I could put the pictures of them <laughs> on there. And they kind of did what, you know, they do what the other old stuff does. And then you could hit the red light, and that means you're committing to that sound.
2: Mm, yeah. Going yeah.
1: in. And I and I like that, because I got my little things like a 57 on a snare drum top, you know, a, a little API, 550 EQ, never, never hurt anybody, just a little presence and just going in, just getting it started. So you don't, you know, people want to be a little inspired. Like, so playback isn't like, here it is, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, man, sometimes I'll just hang some fun mics around that I don't even know if I'm going to use, but I'll just do something fun to them. Like maybe, maybe compress them with a complex or some over, do something fun to them or, or, you know, put a space echo on something, or so. And I don't even know if I'm, if you know, if anybody will like it. But I'll just kind of sneak it in there on the first playback, just to kind of get, you know, get people's juices moving. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. We can do shit,
2: you right? Know? Yeah, because it's all about all about vibe, right? You got to set the vibe. Oh yeah,
1: I just did a session with the uh, Landau, Gary Novak, and this guy Tim Hockenberry, killer singer like Joe Cocker. Oh wow, kind of cat. Yep. And we were at a studio with a nice old API desk, like an old vintage API desk, Red Star Recorders, um, <laughs> Silver Lake. And uh, man, like I printed all kinds of stuff and playback sounded bitch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? I went,
1: I went harder Mike than I was, normally.
0: What what kind of amps was Mikey using? Did he have his fenders or his Marshall? Yeah,
1: I think he had, a, uh, he had the Princeton right next to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mike brought his own mic preamp. And he brought his own effects and he brought everything well he just gave me an xlr oh really and we just went line level right into the into the pro tools
0: that makes it easy huh
1: he bypassed the whole console yeah so he sat there he sat there um he had his little fender princeton and then the external speaker was going to a speaker in the in the iso room Mm -hmm. so he could just reach down and kind of play with his princeton
3: cool
1: play play with his pedals and, you know, I had a really nice, I had three plate reverbs there, real nice plate reverbs. And I would put a little sneaky little plate in on there and, and he would be like, he'd be like, "Nah, man, I got it
2: covered. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> how is and it, Alan, how is it, you've played with all these different amazing guitarists over the years. How how do you approach each guy, like obviously you know them well enough with their personalities and that, but what's some of the differences that you notice that they really like or they really hate? Can you share any of that stuff that you know?
1: Wow, guitar players, I mean, other than Bruce, uh oh, uh singled
3: out here.
1: <laughs> no, no, I mean, guitar players are really, really into their sounds, like they, especially in this town like it took me first it took me kind of by surprise how how much i mean not quite as much as nashville cuz i worked in nashville too and nashville is even gearier than this Yeah, right like they're even gear like oh do you have the 1968 germanium transistors in that fuzz oh i got to get you some you know <laughs> but um you know they're they're really geary in this town and i i i i, I think it's it's cool to an extent but like guitar players are really geary. Mm. You know, like it's kinda like uh the the good guitar players um they help out the good guitar companies and it's kind of a neat marriage in this town where there's lots of really nice guitar companies that endorse these artists and these artists are always talking about this germanium fuzz and that germanium fuzz. And Bruce is always talking about Coltrane. So yeah.
2: <laughs> Did, how long did you spend in Nashville?
1: Uh, just off and on. I, I, oh, right. I just uh, go in there to to, to cut something. And
2: that's that's got to be completely. It's kind of taken over. Would you say it's taken over Los Angeles? As in where LA used to be, the scene where Nashville's kind of stole that from LA in
1: a little way. I'm glad you. I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people in Nashville they go like, uh, you know, Nashville is what LA was in the '60s, and I and I think to myself like. Oh wow, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> Joni Mitchell, drugs, psychedelics, easy chicks. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> like, like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not Los Angeles in the '60s. Nashville is Nashville is Nashville. Right? People love people love music there, but I'm sure Los Angeles in the '60s was a whole nother vibe. Like, you know. It's, yeah, you know what I mean.
2: Yeah. No, I g I totally totally know. Yeah. So, what
1: Nashville does have is some I mean monster musicians, of course, electric too, but like they're a, the acoustic musicians. Yeah. Like the people that play mandolins and and the people that play like fretless acoustic instruments like um like these upright bass players like uh Victor Krause, and mm. like um Byron House and uh um Who's the cat that, that bridges into the classical, Bruce?
3: Edgar Meyer.
1: Edgar Meyer, you know, and Jerry all these. Douglas. Jerry Douglas, exactly. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Sure.
1: All those cats. Like, if I lived in Nashville, I'd I'd want to like I'd want to be a fly on the wall with those cats, you yeah,
2: know? Yeah. Because
1: those 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 are those are the dudes that are that are bringing. It. I got to mix a record um for Tommy Shaw. Oh, the okay. Sticks cat. Yeah. And it was like all those cats, like Allison Krause singing background. Wow. And, uh, and uh, uh, Byron House playing bass and um, um, Stuart Duncan playing violin. That's
3: right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Stuart Duncan and um, uh, Sam Bush mm-hmm. yeah. playing. And then, you know, Jerry Douglas and all those guys. And you just pull up the faders and they're all fretless instruments. You know what I mean? Like there's. Their intonation is so amazing. Even the vocalists, you know, it's like it's kind of crazy. You, you know, you, you try to try to tell like <laughs> a fretless bass player at a jam session to play that in tune, you know? Yeah, right. I
0: can't play my guitar in tune, and I've got frets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty amazing. I just pulled up. I just pulled up the faders, and, and then like <laughs> I just put some reverb on it, and I was a genius.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah do you, how it works. Do you? do you have a top what's your top five drum sounds for you that like like say records or players or over the years that you're like oh this is the ultimate drum sound do you have a top five
1: yeah i mean i i like pretty much everything rudy van gelder did right you know and i i really like those uh those columbia records with with Miles and Nefertiti has got a beautiful drum sound Boy, on it.
0: it ever, man? Yeah.
1: Nefertiti has a beautiful That's drum sound.
0: What a sounding record overall. Mm-hmm. It sounds so good that record.
1: And that the ride cymbal sounds so beautiful on that record.
0: It's just a beautiful record,
1: man. And he hits the tom, you know. He, he goes go 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 on the little twelve, and it's like that is just so good. <laughs> it's the way he's playing it, but it's also captured really nice. Um, I love all those dirty uh, meters records like Zigaboo Modeliste. I love that stuff. Like how the stories are is they like they just got to they were session cats at at uh, um, Allen Toussaint's studio C Saint studio in New Orleans. They were like session cats like him, Zigaboo, George Porter, and the Nevils and all those guys. And on their like when they were done with the session during the day, they would they would just stay at night and just jam and roll tape. Like oh, they wow. probably never lined up the tape machine, calibrated the tape machine, never did anything. Everything's way too hot. The hi-hats are distorting the whole thing. And that's the meters, you know, like that's the tone of those records. Yeah. Are those, those jam sessions. So though that's a good one. Um, I always think that guy, James Farber, like, uh, is it James Farber? the new york engineer that does like lots of sko records and things like that like as far as like a modern jazz sound he gets a really like a really nice big modern jazz sound like a lot of those sko records i think time on my hand with jack and uh jack dejanette and charlie hayden is a beautiful record uh sonically and then you know John Bonham just sounds good cuz he's John Bonham. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, he just he just sounds huge.
2: And um, shit. I don't know, man. Do you, do you get to do a lot of the, like um a lot of live recording? Do you, do you do much of that at all? I mean, not through the pandemic, but normally. Do you like, like that like lo- live with the audience? No, like a live like live band in the studio setup like a lot like yes. the basic tracks yep. yeah
1: that's the way that's the way that that's the way i do most of it is yeah everybody live playing and then they'll just overdub and sweeten it up but yeah most most of all the records i do are is everybody playing at the same time like kirk fletcher came in here and we had to beg him to like play one overdub you know <laughs> like he came in here he put the guitar amp upstairs you know a little uh, fender fender deluxe and he took any uh Just a '57. That's what he wanted, and I was like, "You got it." And I, I love it too. I love just a '57. And I, so I put the '57 up there, and then the drummer was there, the bass player was direct, and they cut the record. And like Kirk was ready to just sing it and be done. Like that's it, you know. And then you know, then they sweetened it up and put horns on it and all that kind of stuff. That last Kirk record, I like that last Kirk record.
0: Uh, Have I heard that, Alan?
1: Travis, you heard the one before.
0: Uh huh. I think think you, I think
1: you, yeah, you said, you said, man, that's a fucking guitar tone. (laughs) That's what you said.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kirk gets a great sound and and he plays with so much confidence and he sounds so just relaxed when he plays. I love Kirk's playing. I think he's one of the best blues players ever. And he's got this beautiful 65 Deluxe,
1: right? Mm -hmm. And I, I said, man. I love that little Deluxe and he goes he goes, "Yeah, me too, man. You want to buy it?" And I was like I was like, "I'll buy it today." And so we made a deal and I bought it. So I got the Kirk Fletcher Mojo 65 Deluxe upstairs.
0: Does he does he use pedals or does he just go straight into the amp?
1: Uh, man, maybe one pedal.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, and the and the the cord isn't long enough. His cord wasn't long enough, so we we put a tuner in between his cord and the <laughs> cord that went up. Okay. You know. <laughs> to, to extend it and it just yeah. sounds good
0: yeah Did, man it just, it's the tone is in his hands he's got such good tone in his hands yeah he played strat on a lot of stuff i think great guitar player
2: man. alan do we do we overthink the recording process way too much do you think like you go once you go down that rabbit hole it, it's just never ending and some most of the time simply simplifying it is best
1: yeah unless you're like making one of these modern records that 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 the reason why it sounds so modern is because like Scott would always say that he 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 when he makes a record he likes to make a movie, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, which is a cool thing, which is like um he likes the production elements and he, uh, you know certain people like that stuff but but uh I think these new records are all about production so all these young kids, they don't—they don't really hear a lot of music that isn't all mm. about production anymore. So it's just—it's like—it's. uh
3: it's just I mean, I feel
1: bad. I feel bad for the kids a little bit that that they they're not getting as much influence to just to just plain Jane good music with it, real instruments and real dynamics and real un you know flashy tones yeah i actually like records that kind of sound like a demo sometimes yeah like I, I know you do too it's it's just neat to hear it like i heard this one record do you know the guitar player isaiah Sharkey?
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah like the d'angelo crew you know that that, oh, yeah, that, yeah. R- oh, that east coast RB thing yeah i heard a i heard one of his tracks and it really just sounded like an iphone but it was killing yeah. you know what i mean yeah because the music was so good it goes back to, like, yeah, the Col- the Train records where they just had a reel-to-reel on the on the table of, like,
2: row three. <laughs> <laughs> it seems you know? to be a bit of a, th- like, a, a, a lo-fi is very hip at the moment. A lot of lo-fi stuff. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you got Justin Bieber with, like, an with an acoustic guitar track. I think that one hit, the last Justin Bieber hit, which sounds really nice, is, like, an acoustic guitar, vocal and uh yeah i think there's one other element like a some sort of a horn in there or something but that's that's it and it's a massive hit yeah justin bieber yeah so i don't know i think it's choose your own adventure nowadays it's like the mad max wild west like (laughs) bruce
2: could have a hit with like
3: no i couldn't have a hit
2: (laughs) you never know never say never
0: I know you've been I know you've been in this situation because you've you're very experienced making your own albums and you know what it's like to be in the studio when you have a really I mean you know me I've got like a lot of really lo-fi no overdub records where you just go in there and play and you're done and that's it and game over right sure. and I've done that a lot in my career like all those tribal tech records very little overdubbing Just Mm -hmm. go in there and fucking play, and what you get is what you get, you know, because you can't, didn't have a studio at home, right? can't afford to be in the studio you're in, so you better put something you like, because that's what you're going to (laughs) keep, but nowadays, you know, to have the luxury of having a studio at home and getting to, like, be a little bit more picky about what happens, I know you don't want to take all the soul out of what, you know, like, that's... That's always people's fear that okay, if you've got all the time you want, you're going to make everything so perfect that doesn't have any soul or doesn't have any feel anymore. Any you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I that's the danger of doing it. But I would like to think that there's a lot of cats that that do it. Like, and I know there're many that do. Like, you know, I learned it from Weather Report, and I learned it from watching Joe in the studio for years. You know, for four years, man, I, I did two albums with him. And I saw him nitpick over his parts, you know, and play a solo and then go in there and say, yeah, this phrase, I'm not going to keep this. I'm going to replace that with something else or another sound or another thing and just watch him paint in the studio, sure. you know, and the way Jimmy Page did with Led Zeppelin, you know, where you were, where there's six tracks, six guitar tracks going on at the same time. And you got like a bunch of, I didn't tell you guys I was, I, I told, uh Bruce and Troy, before you came on, that I downloaded some uh, isolated guitar tracks off this really cool website. So I got some Jimmy Page guitar tracks from Led Zeppelin 2 okay. And it's amazing how different they all sound because it sounds like ones where the mic's right in the speaker and it sounds like one where the mic is like two rooms down the hall. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and all you hear from the guitar is like it's going, rah, rah right yeah. it sounds like it's recorded like five rooms away and you know he's using all these sounds and all these colors to put together this collage of beautiful music you know and sure. i just really love that shit, man i mean i i just love combining all those sounds and stuff to make up the whole and like it is it's like editing a movie it's like you know it's like cinematography just audio cinematography basically basically what absolutely yeah. so hey let me I ask you
1: that. guys a question i should really be interviewing you guys you guys are the the the, the cats but uh hey d- so is this a standard practice like we talk a bunch about a bunch of geeky shit and and bruce just sits there bummed out just uh, knowing, no like, no no these guys.
0: Bruce, will, bruce will have his guest um, see you're my guest right? <laughs> And, and, and but Bruce will have his guests on, and I'll fucking fall asleep.
3: <laughs> um, a a, I'm not falling asleep. B, I'm very interested in what you're saying, Alan. B, I, yeah. I'm, a little, I'm a little bit disappointed because I know how funny you are, and you just don't sound so funny tonight. So, I'm <laughs> <not gonna laughs> like the you know what?
1: I've been trying to be a better person. I've been trying to be a better person. And oh, um,
3: okay, okay, just somehow. I but tell me, do you know autumn leaves? Yeah, sing it to me. Ba 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 ba. Sorry, autumn leaves are brown. Oh, all, all uh, them leaves are brown. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, and this guy. Well,
3: well, you're the one th- who told me that. You know? What oh I mean?
1: my gosh, <laughs> dude!
3: I don't know. I, I owe I'm these just...
1: royalties
3: from that. I'm just
1: trying to be like I'm just trying to be a nicer person lately, and
3: oh, don't do that. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> is, and how's thing's going with that? Uh, it's uh, single. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're on the wrong well, show. <laughs> I got to tell you, Bruce. Alan
0: Alan has had a problem in the past with not having a whole lot of a filter. <laughs> so 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 like i remember this one time where we we're playing in detroit in fact we were opening for schofield at the, at the detroit jazz festival yeah so we were being picked up by these older ladies housewives most likely you know in their 40s or 50s and they picked us up in a van <laughs> okay now and we get went to went some on dirt our way to the hotel and alan starts talking about like Man, I would fucking hate to taste a cock that's so fucking big I can't even get it in my ass. <laughs> I don't think those were the words, but
1: something equally as funny, <laughs> something like that. Right? Well, I, th- I think I said
3: like, well, "Where is that guy tonight?" <laughs> <dude>? <laughs> well, I definitely
1: didn't say well, cock, cock and day. ass. Let's
3: talk about reality here. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: the, the reality is is that. <laughs> I've been on such a, uh, you know, I've been single for so many years. My last relationship was nine years, you know, and uh, we lived together and did the whole thing. I lived with three women. Well, that'll and, do uh, it. <laughs>
3: and, no wonder you're fucking worried about.
1: It. <laughs> yeah, and and then you know, nine. I had a nine year relationship. It was a nice relationship, and we we parted peacefully, and everything's cool, and and uh, and like. I think my wee wee just kind of went back up inside of me <laughs> and I got my vir- I got my virginity back and I, I'm I'm, re- I'm ready, you know? I'm ready for the next uh, you, want
0: our, pimp, you want me to be a pimp? <laughs> <laughs> you what
1: know what? You want to
0: hear no. One of our favorite things to do on the road was make up porn movie titles to regular movies. Oh yeah. You know Alan made right. up the Wad Father. That was yours. Yeah, I made up zero dark squirty. Yeah, uh, and uh, yep. was snow white in the seven inches. <laughs> that was a good one.
1: Yeah, I think the real dirt's coming out now. My yeah. one of my favorite ones was there will be come. Yeah, that was mine. <laughs> no, that's mine.
2: <laughs>
0: that's mine, man. I will never forget when when. And we just told this story the other night when, well, a few months ago, we had Beth Marlis on. We were talking about when we were playing a gig there and you came up to Beth. I knew this would and come up. I knew this story, would come up. And you said, you know, I was an MI student for a minute, but I, you know, like two weeks into it, I decided it wasn't for me. So I took all my money back and I spent it on Blow and Hookers. <laughs> 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 and and uh. brother, Beth was like, "Oh, okay. That's uh, how'd that work out for you?"
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, imagine this. Okay, so <laughs> I look at I look at this ad in the Modern Drummer magazine when I was 18 years old, right? And I worked. At, I had a day job all through high school, even through junior high school, and um, I worked at this music store in Katati called Zone Music. And I, I open up this ad in Modern Drummer, and it says, "Practice for 24 hours a day." at the Musicians Institute, right? And I found out that the tuition was like $6,500 or something. And I'm like, man, I could practice for 24 hours a day there, you know? And I thought, that's fucking unbelievable. So I, I, my grandfather gave me $6,500, and um, my parents gave me a, a little bit of dough, and I had saved some dough. And I, I bought this Tony Williams Gretsch yellow drum set this you know and my plan was to come to la wheel this fucking thing into mi and (laughs) practice for 24 hours a day right so i literally show up with my drums my tony williams yellow gratch drums and they're like no 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 you we, we play these drums in here with these little soundproof rings on them and and we do this and and i was like oh this sucks. So you're in these little tiny booths with these like practice pad drum sets, and everybody's like doing page twenty-one of the stick control, like da 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 whatever it is. I think it's da 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 not something i wanted to do man i was like uh. on my tony williams yellow <laughs> drones you know that's what i wanted to do so i did i got the money back casey sherell was there remember casey Shirell?
0: Yeah, i remember casey
1: yeah he they assigned me like that was my private guy and i was like casey i want to get out of here and he was like yeah it's not for everybody and i can talk to the head of the department and get your dough back and i think i got like five grand of it back or something And I did get some good friendship on Sunset Boulevard. (laughs) And, and, you know, and I really hope it was a woman. I didn't go that far to figure out whether it was or not, but I really hope so.
2: Oh, that's awesome, dude. Good (laughs) friendship.
1: Did you stay in L.A.
2: or did you move away again? Yeah, I
1: stayed in L.A.
2: Wow. And
1: then I moved back. Once I ran out of money, I moved back.
0: You know, I met Alan at an airport in Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. Because Covington, the fucking idiot, um, (laughs) he, he canceled the whole South American tour. And it was like a three or two or three week long South American tour. More like three, I think. And um, he canceled at the very last minute It only gave me a week to find a drummer. So Novak, the first one I called was Novak because he's the only guy I knew really well that I really liked his playing in L.A. He was busy and he couldn't do it, and he recommended Alan. It's the first thing that came out of his mouth. Man, there's a guy up in the Bay Area that is perfect for your band. you got to get him. And, and so I called Alan up, and I sent him the charts, and I sent him the music, and a week later we met in an airport in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I remember, and I remember, I remember I said, what you said. I said, I, I said, You look like a drummer. Yeah,
1: that's what he said. <laughs> he goes, Hey, you look like a drummer. <laughs> and I had my I had my cymbals on my backpack. Yeah. And I had I had learned one of the songs that was in three completely backwards.
0: Right, you learned it in four. Right? I learned
1: it in four because cause Scott's chart writing is meticulous. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I'll, I should have just put a count off in front of the tune. One, two, three. three. Da, 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 da. Right. So it, it was Sphinx. Sphinx. Yeah, it was Sphinx. Yeah,
1: it was Sphinx. So Sphinx, S- Sphinx, you can actually you can feel it like a slow blues, or you can feel it in three, which is kind of cool. So if, if this is three, one, two, three, one, two, three, it's um, um, got um, um, got one um, um, one um. right? And I was, and I showed up and I was like, don't, don't, that, don't, 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 don't." I was like, Oh, a blues. And so, so we're in like, we're in this theater, like in with the packed, like that was like 1200 seat theater with our fucking pictures on the wall and everything. And I was like, Holy shit. I, I'm now a fusion God. He's like, he's like, he's like, okay. Uh, Sphinx. I'm like, okay, I got this one, just a slow blues. And he's like, one, two, three, and I went, four. And he goes, okay, next
2: song.
0: You know what? I've never made that mistake again, man. Any tune I give somebody... I do a count off like Jamie Ambersall: one, two, three, or one, two, three, four. So uh, everything yeah. knows where the fucking beat and is. The you guys
1: beat. know, like, once you once you learn something a certain uh, way, it's the most impossible <laughs> yeah. to learn it another way. Like you know how that is. Like yeah, I you do. learn something, ah, uh, like you learn a, a Tower Power song backwards, and then they're like, yeah. no, it goes this way: like, to bump, 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 but and you're like. I, Oh, it doesn't go bump, 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 bump.
0: And once you a, learn it that way, I have a hard time walking into a club sometimes or just a place and I hear a tune playing and I hear the wrong one and I'm going, God, that's a weird beat. You know, like what a weird sounding song this is until I realized that, you know, what I thought was one was actually two and a half.
1: Exactly. <laughs> a wait till you start, wait till you're like me and you're so psychedelic, you hear like, you hear all these weird rhythms while you're peeing. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm completely gone. Like I'll be at the baked potato peeing between a set and I'll, I'll be, be like, wow, that ceiling fan is playing some weird shit.
3: You, know? you get old enough to where your pee is. What it is. Weird. <laughs> 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 uh, See, am oh, I funny
1: oh, now, Bruce? Yeah, oh yeah, this is much better. See, <laughs>
0: better. <laughs> well,
1: we had was to get. To I had get to go back to the cabinet. Now I don't.
3: You know. You know the paint. Pe- what happened to all the booze? I thought you guys were going to booze. Well, I, you know, I got to go back to the thing. But you now that you are funny, I don't want to leave.
2: <laughs> I got booze. I got so, booze around here. Before the pandemic, it, w- it was all here in the studio, and it was just it was so much fun because we'd all drink. And the Zoom thing is, it's a it's a new challenge
0: a little more sterile i guess isn't it yeah without without the drinks without the you know because i never drink unless i'm doing the podcast and then (laughs) so when i drink just one glass of whiskey i'm lit
2: (laughs) there's been many a podcast where we've all been just pretty trashed
1: and 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 henderson right now i know you guys can't see him But Henderson right now is laying down on a couch, which is incredibly makes me incredibly mad.
0: That's my bed.
1: Oh man, that makes me even more just mad.
0: I know man.
1: Who wants to see Henderson laying in his bed, man? That's some tired shit.
3: Sorry, dude. And, you know, <laughs> everybody was complaining about we haven't had a podcast in a while, and now we're hearing about Scott in his bed. You know, and this is going <laughs> to take the whole thing. Sorry, for sure. man. All right, Alan, you know, I got to. A... I want you to know. You see, I'm wearing pants.
2: They the belt buckle. His belt buckle. Yes. Yes. I
3: just want you to know. I mean, I proved it. I'm wearing pants. <laughs> well, Scott, <laughs> you don't need to show us. <laughs> okay, Bruce, I want on. Bruce. I want to
1: hear. I want to hear more from you, man. i, I just like. You know, what do you want to hear from me? I just you know, I just got mad I got mad props for you. You just you're so killing it's like I wish I had a better some sort of good question for you. Like
3: well,
1: how's yeah. it like to be in Carmel and be you know, so I mean, killing?
3: Like, like obviously <laughs> I'm a lucky guy. I, twenty years ago I kinda moved here when I left when I left the city, you know. Yeah, just go. Kind of got out of there and, and got into the country. I was kind of doing the cowboy thing while I was playing. You know, I was on the road all the time, and it was great here. And then we moved down to L.A. in, what, about the 2006, and um, we rented the house out so that we had something to come back to. That's cool. And it came back about four years ago, and I was in L.A., and my wife was here, and I was kind of commuting. And then, of course, once the pandemic hit, it was like, LA, you know, I mean, lost the clubs, lost the restaurants, lost hanging out. Absolutely. Like, I mean, why do I want to be here, you know, why would I rent a place here? I mean, school, I teach at USC as you know. Yeah. yeah but I, you know, what's I can come back home to my two acres in the woods. Nice. Near the beach, you know, and I mean, so um
1: That's sweet. So it's working out.
3: So it's working out, but you know, as we open up, I, there's a lot of things I need to think about. It's been really cool because I've gone kind of the uh, opposite way. I've just it's just all been about playing solo, which would uh, kind of was headed that way already before the. Pandemic. And with
1: your wife, right? Your wife and you do a thing too. Which is yeah, cool. we
3: do a thing, and you know, I'm I'm like a human karaoke machine. You know, you call a tune, <laughs> you, know, you call a tune, you call a key, you tell me what tempo and style, and like you don't need a band. I'm cool. I can hang with it and do your thing and I'll, I'll take my little instrumental break and I'll bring you back just fine wherever you want, you know, and I'll play an ending for you. I'll play an intro and it'll always be different. You know, (laughs) no, it's, it's a skill and I'm proud of it. It You know, and I like doing it. I really like doing it. It's creative as hell. But um, I remember when like, when gigs,
1: you didn't really even have to rehearse to do gigs. Like when you would, when you would, Back in the '90s, I remember playing, going, to showing up at the Big Potato a lot, and just showing up there with people that knew tunes and yeah, knew, knew some music to play, and we just played, and it was mellow, and and we improvised, and then we went home.
0: Were you yeah. were you around in the Lavalie days, Alan, or or I don't even remember. <clears throat> oh yeah, did we play together a lot? And no, we didn't know each other. No. Then.
1: No, I, I would stalk you guys like I I I, so, I would you
0: know man come around I used to go there and play with either Marvin Smithy Smith or Joe LaBarbera or Tom Warrington yeah or Derek Oles
1: yeah and, and just play tunes it
0: be and the Shepherd or Tavoloni and it would just be playing we weren't really playing so much standards but we were playing sort of like the more modern tunes that everybody knows actual proof right. Uh, You know, uh, um, Butterfly, you know, the Herbie tunes, the Wayne tunes, you know, that everybody knew. So anybody that knew those tunes come up and play. And occasionally we'd play, you know, There's No Greater Love or All Blues or some, you know, an older standard. But most of the time it was just either jamming, like, let's just jam, let's just, you know. Yeah, let's just make it happen. And there was just no rehearsal. We didn't even think about Uh having a rehearsal. Just show up and everybody's going to just play and we yeah. do that every single Wednesday night for, for going on, I think, probably maybe, what, 16, 17 years? I remember that, that vibe in the
1: 90s. All... I remember that that way more improvising in the 90s vibe in L.A.
0: Every you remember that? Wednesday night. Yeah, <laughs> remember? <laughs> you know, the problem came when that club went under, and then really what was left, man, the baked potato kind of became, not to say anything bad about Justin, but for the, for guys who weren't playing, you know, where it could be electric bass and didn't necessarily have to be acoustic bass, which sort of let out the restaurant scene, you know, because electric bass and drums was a little loud for restaurants and started to lose that, that, thing At Lavalie, and baked potato sort of became it with a twenty dollar cover and two drink minimum, and no one's going to go there every Wednesday night to hear the same musicians because uh-huh. they can't afford it. So that yeah. whole scene just kind of flew out the window, really. You know, I, I should I, start I, a
1: scene in here.
0: There you I, go, I, man. I, well, you could, I guess. <laughs> you know? I could, I could open
1: up my big door here and have people kind of hang out in the in the in the alleyway here. Yeah. Lock the fence. Get was a taco still, truck. Get a yeah. taco truck.
0: There was still that place across. Porta potty. You got to get a porta potty. You <laughs> yeah, got to rent a right. porta potty. There was still that place across the street, but they closed eventually too. Remember them? They were across the street from Lavelle, but they did more kind of a happy jazz thing. They were more smooth jazz. What was Caf- the name of that place? Cafe cordial? cordial. Yeah, Cafe Cordial. Yeah, yeah, and they oh, called that place too. And then Cozy's closed down, which was the blues hang yeah. right down the street, and they closed down. So it was just like one after one club after another on Venture Boulevard, just shutting down.
1: That's how good we are, Scott. That's
0: <laughs> how good we are. you know it. That's because of us, dude.
1: That's how good we are.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: so, man, so, Alan, what's what's hard. coming up in the future for you? What's what's coming up for the rest of twenty twenty one?
1: It was really busy, and I did like lots of mixing and lots of tracking and lots of stuff. And then it just kind of dried up um, just recently. And I was lucky. I had a big run, you know, I had a big run like this.
2: Right. <laughs> and
1: uh, um, I did a lot of fun stuff. Like I, I played drums on a Bill Champlin record and mixed that record. And then I, I did that, I did Kirky's record. I did um, Art Menezes' record with Josh. Like, Josh Smith gets me over to his studio a lot to work with the people that he's producing, and I usually go over there and, like, record the basic track um, days, and then I cut, and he does all the overdubs and all the stuff, and then I go back over there and mix it with them. And we've been doing that for a long time, and I did um, some really cool stuff with – uh, I know this doesn't answer the question, but uh, Greg Lee's and my Lee's, my and Greg are they're they're married, and my plays bass and Greg plays pedal steel. We've been doing these beautiful mixes over here. Um, that's a lot of fun, just uh, pedal steel and bass wow, and man, atmospheric man. stuff. Landau's on some of it, and Novak's on some of it. And then I'm kind of in the middle of that record with with uh, with Gary and. Um, that the singer that I was telling you about. Yep. Um the Joe Cockery cat, uh Tim Hockenberry. Um but as far as what's coming up, man. Good question.
3: <laughs>
1: uh I'm practicing every day like Bruce. I'm I'm playing Bebop every day. We should get together and make a duo record, man. Man, I'm playing Bebop every day because um I just feel like that it's, it, you know, what else do you practice if you're a drummer, you know? It's just play play some And I hear the, I hear the song in my head, and then I like, because I don't like the, 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 the practicing, you know, oh, I'm going to practice this pattern or something. I like to kind of try to play music. And, right. and, and the, the, and I like, <laughs> what, what was that?
3: And I, I like to, bang
1: of my- I like to play loud and quiet too when I'm playing. So I, I like envision like okay, there's because I'm in here by myself. Okay, the solos the solo's gonna I'm gonna come down for this solo and kind of try to build something and and when I'm playing practice and bebop like that, it, it almost feels like I'm playing with a band. Like I might hear witch hunt in my head or something. Mm-hmm. La,
0: la, 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 la. I love that tune. That's such a good tune.
2: Yeah,
3: whole tone. going on and going on a
2: witch. I love that tune. <laughs> originally
0: going going on a <in> <laughs> Yeah, that's got to be the words he was thinking.
2: No, no,
3: time. it's a it's a country western tune that Herbie ripped, ripped off or Wayne oh, ripped off. And it was like a going on and going, going on and going on, witch huh? <laughs> that's so funny, man.
1: <laughs> but you know, I'm working with. I'm just just doing whatever I can. I'm I'm oh, I'm I'm right in the middle of a, of Andy Timmons mixing Andy Timmons' record. Oh, nice. Oh, really? We're like two songs away. I, I'm I...
0: trying to get him on the show, and he's not calling me back. Maybe it's because he's so busy. Yeah,
3: I'm too. Uh, maybe because he doesn't like you anymore. Maybe. <laughs> maybe
0: that
1: too. We're like we're like two mixes away from having something, but like the whole um, the whole pandemic and the whole thing it's it's just kind of like taking the taking the the mojo out of a lot of stuff. Like
0: is he a great guitar player?
1: Yeah, he sounds great.
0: He's really awesome. good, man. I love his. I love what he does. He's just really got his own voice, got his own thing. You know, it's really yeah. Good. So I we're like two have, songs away. Get him on the show, you know, but just hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, two songs. But he's the nicest dude ever.
0: Yeah, he's a great guy, man.
1: Great. Like even when he tells you that you know the mix sucks, you can't you, you can't really tell if that's what he's saying. Like so, you're telling me. That, no. <laughs> No, because he'll be like, man, the, man, the vocal tone it sounds so great, and man, it just sounds really good. But like, man, I think there's something wrong with uh, this <laughs> and that and the <laughs> <laughs> No, he's 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 amazing. He's been like, he's been he's let us just go. Like, we haven't gone past like a, a revision three. You know, like we've yeah. we've we kind of. Th- I go over to Josh's and we, we kind of get a get a thing happening for each one of his songs and we send it off and he's he just he's just lo- he's he's digging it and I'm happy he he probably will just he's probably just entertaining me and then he'll just can it. Uh, you know,
0: I just I just know that you know when when I work with you and I've worked with you now on two records, I always just Alan comes over and it's time to start a new tune. I just go and I just leave and. I yeah. let Alan's in the room for probably about an hour, and I come uh, back, and it's like the fucking thing's done. It's wow. like it's done. Like what <laughs> else? What else is there left to do? You and know, I turn but, it down. I turn it down really quiet. It's like, yeah, and, and besides nitpick over like okay, there's a couple bass notes that I get lost or that are too loud. You know, I mean, I think that's my main issues with bass. You know, it's like because it's so just the nature of guys. That play bass it's such an it's such a clean instrument that notes pop out really loud sometimes and then some notes just disappear and yeah you have to just even it all out so that you can hear everything he's playing that's probably the most tedious job of the whole mix for me but well
1: you're de- you're 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 you definitely have a vision of all your tones and all your 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 delay throws and all the things that need chorusing and the things that need this and that and so when i walk into like your your stuff your your picture is pretty there, you know? It's just it's just all I need to do is turn the speakers down and hear what the bass and drums are really doing, like in that in that picture, and, and then we're we're pretty good. That's why like most of the time when it when Scott and I mix his records, I'm just kinda like I, I kinda get the drums and bass in there where and around what's inside of what Scott has. And then I because I, I don't know the digital performer and that's what you you work on so um then i just take a back seat and we just kind of talk about automation moves like what if that what if that came up here what if that went left to right or Mm
0: -hmm. you know and then and then it's so effortless when when we work together it just especially
1: for me because you're writing the automation i'm just telling you what to
0: do (laughs) (laughs) drawn dots on a line hey it works for me that works for yeah, me. Man, put a dot right there and it yeah. the dB. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that little bass
1: line there, Scott? What bass line exactly? Can you lift that up? Hold on a <laughs> second, Alan. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, um, that's fun. Well, no, so fun. so easy. our listeners can all like if they need they need mixing, they need a recording studio, they need bitch and drums, they can come to Alan. Ah, oh, well.
0: <laughs> tell, tell, tell our listeners how to get a hold of you if they need your services, especially if they need blowjobs or anything like. Really important.
1: Yeah, I stopped doing that when I got out of prison. <laughs> um, no, just uh, just the normal social media um, stuff. I, I think the little private messages work for me um, the best. Like the, I, I do the. I'll get on and check check and see if I have any messages on Facebook. Um, and then I get on and see if I have any messages on the um, on the on the what's the other one called Instagram.
2: Instagram. Do you have is, do you have a website or do you have a what's the studio's you know, name?
1: My studio's called Hertzworks.
2: Hertzworks.
1: Hertzworks. Works. Works. I like H-C- it. Uh, I guess it's kind of a German thing, right, Bruce? Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm a little worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It it, it hurts when it works. It hurts when it works. (laughs)
1: That's works. Where'd you do your bitching sounding records, Bruce?
3: The jazzier records? Well, I don't have any, but if I had, um, they've been over the years. I mean, I did a couple of Van Gelder's. Ooh. I did one, you know, there's in San Francisco. Do you remember a Russian, God, what was it called? Russian Hill Recording? Down near the wharf? It was like Richard Green and those guys. No. They had a thing. And then I, Phil Edwards, do you remember him around the Bay Area? You might be too young. Um, I think I'm too young. He, he did all those Concord jazz records.
1: Nice. Nice.
3: So I did a bunch with him. Uh, uh, Michael Cuscuna produced a few with Malcolm Addy back in New York. Big boy shit, Scott. See? Then, Big boy. And, and then, <laughs> you know, recent, I had uh, a guy named Doug Gary, who's really good, uh, kind of produced my records. That's pretty I cool. Working with him, you know, I mean. So but, Van Gelder, uh, how? Like, what was that? What was that like? It was, I mean, to stand in that room where you know Train and Lee Morgan and Herbie yeah, and Wayne and everybody grant green I, I i played the same amp that grant green played on. what was it it was a super reverb amp
1: oh and uh the secrets i'm pouring wine i got my wine coming
3: and uh and you know and rudy was of course very you know by then it was you know in the later part of the game uh, he it was way after you know like all the CTI stuff, so he wasn't really recording the same way he was recording back with Impulse or those or those um, Miles records. On he kind
1: of got modern at one point too, right?
3: Yeah, he- And he, he wasn't really super comfortable for me because he was definitely not uh, interested in what I had to say. You know, I mean, uh, Michael Cuscuna was the. Uh, was the producer on some of them, and Herb Wong was the producer on some. Okay. And, and so, like, they kind of worked it out, you know I mean? I really was kind of like a fart in a blizzard through the whole process. You know? <laughs> I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it was, I mean, amazing. Who, was the, Who <laughs> yeah, was the rhythm set? Who was the rhythm set Well, a couple different rhythm sections. One was um, Eddie Gladden, Albert Daly, and Buster Williams. Oh. <laughs> one was Billy Hart and Mike Richmond. And, uh, and Albert Daly. One was Kenny Barron and Eddie Gomez. And uh, I think the drummer on that one was, I think it was Billy Higgins. And, um, you know, I mean, it was just great to be with those guys and to be in that room that, you know, I've seen those pictures of Train and McCoy and Elvin. And, you know, it was just like being in a church, you know, I mean, yeah. I felt about. That big, and I'm holding right. my fingers close together, but I really didn't even feel that. <laughs> that's six, that's like
1: six inches.
0: But yeah. Bruce, when you say you had producers, why why did you have producers? Because the record company put them
3: in charge of making the record, and in what way? Uh, just making sure the session went well. I mean, I got to pick the tunes and everything. Uh huh. But um, they kind of handled how the session went down, you know, we'd go back and maybe listen to one playback. And then after that, we just played, you know,
0: uh, huh.
3: And, uh, and then next thing, you know, it's mixed and it's out, you know, uh, huh.
0: So they're, there sort more as in a financial capacity to make sure that things well, don't go. not but also
3: over. obviously artistic. I didn't get a chance to be present at the mix or the mastering or anything. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, I guess, you know, I've heard that kind of thing, but never had it happen to me. I mean, I've never worked in a, with a producer in my life, so I don't even know what that would be like. Well,
3: yeah, this you is know, what like it somebody is. saying they have, they have the money, they have the, record
0: of, they have the responsibility
3: to bring it in within budget, you know, I mean, all these things. and. Right. And uh, and and you know, to be honest with you, I'm not happy with all of it. But then, in some cases, I think they might have even done better than I would have because I would have been anal and nitpicky and not really made it that much better. Uh, Buster's
1: cool, right? But Buster
3: plays some shit. Buster, yeah, that, that's a story I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah i just i just wear that bus I, I
1: wear all that buster and and joe hen stuff out
3: oh man i nobody's a bigger fan of buster williams than me but but my my experience in the world wasn't optimal at least my very first record i ever made was with buster williams and Tooth steelman Whoa. Uh, and it was great i mean buster couldn't have been nicer more welcoming i mean i was like 18 years old 19 years old you know yeah. And it was like, I'm in the I'm with these giants, you know, to Steelman plays guitar better than I do at that point, you know what with I mean? With his face. But, but he's playing harmonica, you know. And, and, and I don't and, trust people that play music with their face. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I'm and, just but, kidding. You know, and, and, but, but, you know, and, but 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 the, the record I did with Buster on it, it didn't work out well. Buster was in a different space and it just, I don't know that he liked who I, who else, everybody else was on the bear, just how it all went down, and he, I hear you, or he was in a bad mood or whatever. It was a particularly difficult situation. Nonetheless, we all did the best we could, and it's jazz yep. played the music, and we. I mean, I'm, i you know, one thing you know about me, I'm not going to fucking do less than my best, you yeah. know, and and if I if I have to live with. A moment that maybe wasn't uh what I wanted it to be. Well that's just a growing process for getting better later, you know. Yeah.
1: What a trip though, the Van Gelder hang. That's so cool. Oh man,
3: it was it was so amazing. And of course I'd heard all the all the, the stuff about like don't ever bring any drinks or food into the control room and when you're in there like be careful. It's it's almost like, you know, an ICU or something, you know. Oh wow. Yeah. That's how I, felt. I was I was very careful with him it was a lot better being a sideman on dates I mean I'm probably on half a dozen sideman dates in that studio nice. than my two leader dates that I did you know
0: yeah I, trip. Alan, that's how I felt when I worked at Ocean way for the first time right that's a big deal because everybody and their brother had done a session at Ocean way our capital yeah. in your yeah. like. Oh my God, I'm at Capitol with, with, with Benny Cagliuta on drums and, and Anthony Jackson on bass. Yeah. And, and yeah. It was like, Oh my God. You know, because you look at all the pictures of Frank Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like what the fuck am I doing here? Right. But one funny story, man, is I did a session at Ocean Way with tribal tech and Though there was another – I don't know if you know Clark Germain, but he was the engineer. Mm, But um, Alan Sides. Yeah, Alan Sides happened to walk in because he was the owner. Yeah. And he took an interest in our band. I have no idea why. I didn't even know he knew who we were. But he came in, and he just wanted to hang out, and he wanted to sort of like kind of boss the engineer – boss the engineer around during the basics like Uh-oh. be there during the tracking
1: oh and you you guys called your own cat right
0: well, yeah and we had called our own guy but we're saying well shit if we get adam sides for free and he's yeah, not gonna
1: Alan, charge us right Alan Sides. But what do
0: i do man i piss him off the very first thing i say he comes up he puts a one of those goddamn mics that i fucking hate that looks like a goddamn razor what is that fucking thing called it's oh, an AKG C12A or 414 or 414. God yeah. damn it! I hate that <clears throat>, that mic. Yeah. Yeah. And he puts a 414 on my guitar cab, and I said, "Mr. Sides, would would you mind if I use a 57 on my guitar Mr. Cabinet? Sides, and he walked. He just put the mic down and he walked out of the room, and he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah,
1: dude. He's he's got some some very very you know. Was like That's very nice stuff, him, man. It was probably, dude. It was probably a C twelve A, which looks like a four fourteen, but it was like is a is a you know is a tube version of that.
0: I uh, no, I don't think it was a tube my I think it was a four fourteen, man.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: Yeah, just I hear you. Like, no, I don't want my guitar to sound like a fucking you know nasal congestion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ever, but. That, at least I met him. I could say I met Alan Sides, the great Alan Sides. Doesn't he have the most expensive microphone collection in the whole world? I'm sure
1: John McBride at Blackbird is, has, has has got it now. But I think Alan, like, I think he's way into um, his speaker, um, his speaker business, where he's oh. putting fancy, you know, fancy main monitors in speaker, in, uh, in studios.
0: Oh, that's what he does. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think he sold or leased the joint to a school i i don't know i hear different stories but but yeah. you know when novak was with Alanis uh morissette uh he told me some stories he used to he because alan sides engineered a lot of those those records uh-huh. and he said he'd have like the fan it sounded like god because you know he would have the 251s on the toms and the C12s and all the great mics like on the snare drum and okay. like he was just, you know, he put all the sexy shit up. like
2: the most
0: expensive mics money can buy. Yeah, and sometimes it's, it it's you know,
1: sometimes it's that's not it, you know? Like some sometimes uh, that's that's not really not really it. A lot of times the best sound is a microphone and a mic preamplifier. <laughs> End the end. You know what I mean? The end. Like you put the microphone where you like it, and you turn up the microphone preamplifier, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty easy job I got. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> it helps if the guy playing can play.
1: No shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got plenty of stories about people that can't play, but that's right. You know,
3: and, you know, God, I, I. I For one of the records i did we had a pre-production meeting because it was going to be a live date, right and so we so we all got together and sat and listened to a bunch of different records just to kind of get an idea for what we wanted the general sound concept to be because we had to do it live so you know the guys didn't want to have to oh shit you know we missed the idea right and we listened to a bunch of records and I was completely worthless. Here I am. It's my record. And I was completely worthless. Because if the motherfuckers were burning, it sounded great. Absolutely. And if they weren't, it sounded like shit to me. And, yeah. like, and I, will, I will be honest with you. Thinking back, there were a lot of records that really sounded good, but just nothing was happening and just didn't interest me at all. Like One of my favorite records was the West Montgomery, the incredible jazz guitar record. Which I'll mm-hmm. admit was one of is not a good sounding record. Mm. It's just not. I mean, sound production. You know, Wes wasn't really he didn't get his really honey sound that he usually got. Piano sounded kind of puny and far away. The drums were kind of harsh. You know, it wasn't yeah. like a. I don't think it was a Van Gelder session. It was like a mm-hmm. Riverside record. You know, somewhere else. Sure. And, and uh, just not a great. Produced sounding record, but the the music is like going, the right. music I almost ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like I like that one.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. got to get and him out all of the like room. Like that, man. We're all going to pick the the record where the music is the best. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. sound always going to come in second to the music.
1: Always. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the. I, I, I that's the the duality of, of kind of my, right. little, my little gig when i do do these engineering gigs is um is i have to bring a completely du- not a total alter ego but i do bring a, a a lot less judgmental attitude to the room like like you know not that it's like a day gig and i'm like yes sir you know what size shoe do you have but you know i have a, a little more opinion than that but but it, it like this gig that I do sometimes, audio engineering, helps me just kind of like not not judge music as much, you know, and mm-hmm. just be like, I'm working, and I'm, you know, these people are happy, and and we're, you know,
3: maybe I'm in the like, back kind of like playing a gig, right? You know, you're just making the girls dance, you know, like you,
0: like you said in Dude. the last, you know.
1: Yeah, I would think like, it
0: would also be somewhat like teaching. Yeah, like teaching, you yeah, like teaching. students. You know, you walk into a classroom. You might have a classroom of really smart kids, or you might have a classroom of total beginners. But you still got to teach them. You still you know? got to get it down so, for them. Know, and, it's yeah. like whether the guys can play or whether they can't. You still have to to, to, to turn knobs and make them sound the best you can. And yeah, and
1: you just go hard. You just go. You just do whatever you can. Like yeah. you, you become kind of like you said, like a teacher. You might be able to reading people, you know, sure. reading, like reading your students sure. and you know, like how to not intimidate them and how to right.
0: make them, you know, like. You know, T, um, TJ used to tell me the same kind of stories because he was an engineer. I mean, he almost, I'm, I'm not going to say gave up guitar cause he, he never gave up guitar, but he was doing so much engineering that he hardly ever played anymore because he, he was so busy, you know. And they were not always sessions or they were really actually rarely sessions that he enjoyed the music. You know, like kids just coming in there and banging on shit like Green Day. Dude, you know, I
1: heard that, some that. TJ. I heard TJ do his I heard his uh his musicians institute audition tape video.
2: That's a
0: bad motherfucker, man. Holy
1: shit. That is some
0: other shit. That is a bad motherfucker. That is, that is motherfucker. some very unique, interesting has, shit. No one has taken the two-hand thing, no in world as far as TJ has. No I was either. like,
1: why, why, why isn't this dude like, you know? But anyways,
0: lot, lots, of stories like that. Well, you know, I mean, it and plus him and the the, the duet of him and Brett Garson together was phenomenal. Oh those
2: guys, man! Yeah. Wow. Like, I,
0: I saw I saw them play one time, T.J., Brett, Dennis Chambers, and Willis. Yeah. And that fucking shit was slamming,
3: man. Yeah.
0: Slamming. Just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I mean, people... Have, what an interesting people thing. Don't, people don't know him, but I find it not all that unusual these days because, like... Who knows who the hell Phil Degree is? And Phil Degree is one of the greatest guitar players to have ever lived on this earth. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have clue as to who he is because he's not out there really trying to get famous. He doesn't really care, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. He's not one of those. Th- neither was Ted Green for that matter. Ted Green didn't want a career. He didn't want to travel all around the world. He didn't want to do this. He didn't want to get involved in all the business aspects of music. He just wanted to teach his students and play the shit out of the guitar. And that's what he did. But he was a fucking legend and a fucking guru. And he could do what very few guitar players have ever done on the instrument. And it's just fame is something he never saw, you know. And I think TJ's kind of the same way. He just never really cared about it that much. He never really tried to become some guitar superhero or everything. He just right. did thing. Dude,
1: when's the last time you saw Eric Gravatt play drums? Oh, God. Dude, that, that dude was dealing. He's yeah, he still
3: even that. doing it. I know he's up in Minnesota somewhere, right? Dude, okay. he was dealing. I saw an old video. I was like, is that Eric Gravatt? Holy
1: you shit. Know who else, he
0: was Alan Kenwood Denard. Oh, yeah. Kenwood Denard is dealing. Jesus Christ, man. That guy is so fucking good.
1: I love that Kenwood Denard, Maceo Parker live record, Shake Everything You Got, that breakdown with him and Maceo. You know, Larry Goldings is on that.
0: I went and saw the concert with Mike Stern and Jocko when Mike Stern and Jocko were too high to play. They were just fucking heroined out. Yeah. And most of the audience left and asked for their money back. But (laughs) I stayed just because Kenwood couldn't stop listening to Kenwood Denard. Got that thing. He was so goddamn good. Andy Newmark, right? Huh? Andy Newmark. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Kids don't know who Andy Newmark is. they don't. Well, kids don't know who Jeff Beck is, so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who?
1: I got the best. Do you know that drummer, Bruce? You might know Lamar Carter, the drummer. That plays with josh sometimes and he plays with rafael sadiq and uh, uh, he's a brother drummer around town here and and a super super burning drummer he i was playing a little thing on my drums over here and he said he said that's some andy newmark shit and i was like oh dude i'll just quit now because the andy newmark in time that sly stone
0: track that is the most that's the come long time man
1: It could be that that's on the short list of the funkiest shit ever. It is. It is. And funk is kind of funny because, like, there's always the funk police, right? There's always the, like, oh, man, this shit ain't funky, or this shit is funky, or this ain't funky, or this ain't funky. And it's like, man, fuck that. That's funky. (laughs) You know, why is there always the funk, the funk, like everybody, like everybody that plays funky music, they always will say like, oh, that's not funky or this is funky or no, this isn't funky. And it's like, I'm starting to be like. Man, ditch the funk police. You know what I mean. My friend, my we were out back at the baked potato, and and like everybody was like, "Yeah, man, that ain't funky, man. This shit's funky, and that's funky, and this is fun." My friend goes, "You know what, guys? Fuck funk," <laughs> 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 which is hilarious. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't endorse you know, to that. To me,
0: man, when I think of funk, I think of, of Mike Clark on Actual Proof. Yeah, like that, lots of stuff that was just some of the most epic drumming of our times. Like
1: Buddy me. Miles or you know it's all yeah. funky at a certain point, you know. I'll go to Ken my graves,
0: I'll go to my grave getting to say that I got to play actual proof with Mike Clark. Yeah. You know? In his awesome.
1: jazz and his jazzy his on his little jazzy side. Yeah,
0: when he was doing his jazz thing very soft, you know. That's
1: awesome. I think
0: he does great. play soft. Yeah, he played soft now. Yeah. But you know who's a funky motherfucker, man, is Lenny White. Absolutely. I got to play with Lenny in Moscow uh, because Novak wouldn't go to Russia. (laughs) 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 Novak said, fuck going to Russia. I'm not going. Get somebody else. And it just happened that Lenny White was there in Moscow when we went there. So we got to play like three gigs with him. And he was so on fire, man.
1: So you heard Paul Jackson pass, the bass player? I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: The the a couple that? weeks ago, I yeah, didn't not, know that. too long was ago, about Chick Corea, because I know Chick Corea just died. So, um,
1: yep. So Paul Jackson passed.
0: Alan, I just saw this uh, get together with the guys in the Electric Band, and they were talking about like doing it. They were doing a tribute to Chick. Yeah, and it was funny because Weckl said, um, "Yeah, you know, we played trio for a long time, just me and John and Chick, and then we got." A guitar player in the band, um, and Scott Henderson joined the band, and Frank Gambale goes. Who?
1: <laughs> 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 that's awesome. That awesome! That's so good! Yeah, that's rich. That's
0: rich. Yeah, it was rich. <laughs> that's really rich. So I got a oh. kick out of that.
1: Oh, that's good. We had to get some. Ch- we had to get some chick. Some chick. Some chick tea going on. And,
0: you know, I have been inundated with letters of sympathy letters about his passing. Oh, I mean, my of course God. I'm sorry to hear that he passed away. I mean, you know, guy's guy, a great musician and everything. But you know me, man. I'm on my Scientology fucking haters uh, kick. Yeah. And I always have been. And I don't fucking give a shit about those motherfuckers. So, you wow. know, I'm... When I think about it, I think about those fucking kids that I see walking out of the Scientology building four years old wearing their uniforms to be taken off the brainwashing and to tell them that Xenu is, you know, trapped dead alien souls in our body so they can live with that <laughs> for the rest of my life. And then I'm saying, fuck Chick Korean, <laughs> fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> That's fucking you know, cult members. So That's where it's at there, Troy. That's you know where what? it's at. But you know what, man? I mean... I love Woody Allen movies, and look how what a piece of shit he is. So you know what I mean. And I'm gonna watch his movies. I don't fucking care. And I'm gonna listen to Chick Corea play his bad motherfucking piano. I don't right. care what the fuck he was in his life or what he did. I'm still gonna enjoy his art, and I will miss his art greatly. You know. But that's yeah. Scientology shit. Fuck those people.
1: What's coming up for you? What's coming up for you, cats? Like what's coming up for you? That was Scott. a
3: subject change. <laughs> I don't, you, it looks like it looks like he's taking over the show, man. You know. So, <laughs> well, you guys are the okay. You guys are the masters. Let's, let's modulate, okay?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, you know what? I shouldn't be talking crazy. about Scientologists. Fuck Scientologists. I don't want to even give them any more fucking promotion. Fuck them. Uh,
3: <laughs> just, I'm going to get get a cup of Zeus or whatever they call it. You know, I'll be right back. How long you got, Bruce? Am I wearing you out? Plenty <laughs> no, of time. I just have uh, my glasses empty. Uh, All right, Troy, what, what what you got?
1: What
2: you got? Uh, we I got a, I got a company that we do a lot of trailers, big trailers and stuff. So we're working on Jurassic Park, the next Jurassic Park trailer. So we're doing that, and um, I think we just got the new space uh, Space Jam two trailer. I think we just locked that in. So um, wow. Yeah, man, we're busy. Busy doing that stuff, so I'm doing that, writing songs, and then... Do you
1: invest in four jazz drummers
2: at all, (laughs) ever? Not not a lot, (laughs) not a lot, unfortunately. We use a lot of Toms.
0: Can you help me get a credit card? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Troy's probably making more steady money than any of us, because he's got a real job. You know, he's actually working for a company...
2: Any no, that's shape, my that's dude. my look, look, company. Like- that's my company. I'm not working for the company. The company's oh, working that's for me.
0: Your own company that's doing this.
2: Yeah, that's my that's me. I'm not working I, for anyone. I
0: thought you were working for somebody who was bringing this stuff in.
2: <clears throat> no, that's all me, man. I started it back in 2007 doing this stuff.
0: Oh, so you got some credentials so people know to come to you. I was I was thinking that there was like some somehow a middleman between you and. Some of the guys making these these trailers.
2: No, it's um, it's my company. I have and I have I have a bunch of composers that I work with, but mm-hmm. yeah, I started the company back then, and it was just me. And then the last six years, I've started to work on you know work with different musicians around the world Those and stuff. Great man! Is
1: that well. an old sixties Ludwig kit back there?
2: It is, man. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, it it's looks a-
1: like uh, the Ringo finish,
0: right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Boy, so, Troy, man.
0: forgive me because I never even knew that. Really? I,
2: knew that. Oh. I know. I
0: always thought that you were kind of like working for a company, and you were like the head of the certain division of this country, company that did the trailers.
2: No, you know? man. It's um, I had yeah. No idea, you know, I, I was I was lucky. I fell into it I, when I was finished touring. I come. Off, I had a year off the road, and I just managed to meet a guy that did editing for trailers. And he said to me, "Hey dude, you should start doing music for me." And I was like, "Oh, all right." And right Man, I I never looked back, thank God. And, and
1: are you doing the the Avid thing?
2: No, um I'm I'm in Logic and Luna. Wow. Mainly in that. So um Sorry about
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I met a couple of guys like that at the men's room at the bus station, but it never got to <laughs> <happen again. laughs> Luna, yeah. They said they were going to help me do movies, but it just never happened.
2: So it's um. No,
0: Troy, that's really great. Man. Yeah, uh, man, we, we did. We, we got the I biggest
2: at My company got the large, the best trailer for 2020, which was the Batman teaser. We did that. Wow. So are so, you going to
1: hang out? Are you going to hang out, in your room there?
2: What do you mean? Am I going to hang gonna out? Do, this? Are you
1: going to do at- Atmos? Uh...
2: Yeah, we. This is yeah. Everything, a lot of the stuff we do is in the box,
1: right? So, but I mean the at the Atmos, uh, the Dolby Atmos speaker array that everybody's going. Through oh and- no, right no, no. Yeah,
2: we I send think- out we send our stuff off, and then they mix it and do all that oh, stuff gotcha. in a big nice. in a big basically a theater.
1: Right, they they'll do the post. <laughs> yeah, so you're doing. You're doing a lot of video and stuff like that?
2: We don't even get to see the video half the time. We get, hey, we need this, make it, and we'll send, you know, we might send, wow, 10 different tracks and of different so, things, uh, and they'll well, choose well, from it.
0: All stereo mixes?
2: Yeah, and then, we, then we'll send them stems as well of everything.
0: Oh, and that from the stems, they get the five surround sound shit.
2: Yeah, they deal with all that, and yeah, yeah.
0: I see. So you don't have to deal with any of that stuff. All you have to deal with is making it sound good in stereo.
2: Yeah, making it. we create it, and they send it, they put it in the trailer, and then they take it off and mix it with the trailer at a big uh, facility.
0: Oh, that is so fucking cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. So So you're writing songs... When you say you're writing songs, you're writing songs for
2: yeah trailer music the big thing at the moment is like with the batman trailer we took nirvana's song one of one of their songs because the the movie company wanted to use that song in the trailer so we had to trailerize the song create a bunch of sound design for it and do all this tracks and then we send that back to the trailer company they make the trailer put it all together and then hopefully it gets approved and they send it out
0: is that kind of i mean i know this is going to be a dumb question but is that kind of similar to what Cirque did with the Beatles. They took the music and then they kind of modernized it and segued it to fit the show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> every time but, you every time you watch a movie trailer, that's what I do.
0: The,
3: yeah, I mean, with a movie trailer, it's like five seconds of something, ten seconds of something. I mean, it's like it's... it's it's not a. I mean, it's not an MTV video when you watch it. No,
2: we but we might we might do. I might get stuff placed that's a second long or two two and a half minutes long. It they just, might
1: get one one interval. But yeah.
2: We might get. <laughs> I might get a, a sound design. And,
0: and, and the and the <laughs> band is getting paid for their song, right?
2: Well, well, it's not usually a band. It's usually just the composers. Yeah.
0: Did, did, did You say it was Nirvana?
2: Oh da, yeah. Da, da, da. No Nirvana. Yeah, they had to get paid for that song. Yeah. They got I think a million dollars for that, for that. They
0: got a million bucks. A million for bucks
2: scene. for the for the movie company that to use that song in the Batman trailer. I think it was about a million dollars. Woo! We didn't get That's that. Funny. But yeah, a million bucks. And we only used wow, maybe 30 seconds of, not even 30 seconds of the full song. So um, uh, advertising, man, it's big, big money. I would say. So, yeah.
0: And there's Scott laying in his bed. (laughs) (laughs) I just said goodnight to Angela. Angela went off to bed. Oh, awesome. Angela Cha. Well, Cha just went to bed and has to wake up early morning to go to school on Zoom. How's her piano playing?
1: Unbelievable!
0: Man, he is killing it. Oh man! Like you can't believe it. I mean, I don't. I really don't know whether it's her or her mom anymore. Wow! But you know? wow. like, she's playing pieces that are that it's it's out of control, man.
1: Right, yeah. like like the real shit.
0: The real shit. Stuff Whoa. that they're move. Their hands are moving so fast. You, the fingers are a blur.
1: I played Bach in C major, and, and I'd have a meltdown. I'm Angela, like, da,
0: da, da, ba. Ah! Angela can play Bach <laughs> for three days in a row. It's wow. unbelievable, man. And memorized. Wow. Memorized. It's ridiculous.
1: Wow. what is she doing the, the Chopin and all that shit?
0: She's doing Chopin. She's doing Mozart. She's doing, and, and you know what's interesting is she's doing pieces by guys I've never heard of. You know, like I walk and I go, Who wrote that? And she goes, Well, this guy, he lived in <laughs> 1912. <laughs> okay. That's a gorgeous piece of music. How come I've never heard of it before? Yeah. You know, it's like, Okay, some guy wrote it.
1: And she's like, Dad, stop playing that half-hold diminished bullshit <laughs> over seven chords.
0: <laughs> I listen to the bullshit I play in my room. You know, she's playing music by the best composers in the world. And so, I'm, do you think
1: of the do, do you think of it as whole half or half whole over seven chords?
0: Half, half whole. <laughs> there's no such thing as a guitar player. There's no such thing as a whole half diminished scale because of the fingering.
1: Right. I always ask people that, like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs>
0: you know what? You don't want to get involved with that diminished scale; It'll just lead you down a horrible path. It'll lead yeah. you down the Mahavishnu Orchestra path. You don't want to go down there. <laughs> well, what I,
1: what I thought it was, was pretty interesting, all you guitar players, I thought what was interesting is that the set, that, that, that it, you know, there's only three of them symmetrically before they repeat themselves the scales the eight note scale the eight, eight note diminished scale there's only like if you do it, it, it you you we play know, three
0: no, know you know, know get to the point
1: and <laughs> and there's a fu- and the seven is it the the seven chord fits in all of those scales so you only really need to know three for you know you need you need to know three for
0: the price of 12 you know what you don't even really need to know one it's better <laughs> <when you> don't. <laughs>
1: But that—that that, I mean—that's about my extent of 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 harmony there. But you know what?
0: I, you know what? You know what? Richie Blackmore said about Mavish Orchestra when he heard him for the first time. What? Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple, right? Somebody played him a cut off Birds of Fire, and he says, "If I ever go to hell, that's the kind of music I expect to hear when I get
1: <laughs> Oh
2: man, <laughs>
1: that's fucked up. Uh-huh
2: on that note i th- all right <laughs> alan mate it was a pleasure thank you for joining us and wasting hey, your you, evening Troy. with us thanks, Troy. we appreciate that
0: alan, oh man hey, thanks for coming man it's great to see you as always and uh you know when this covid shit is over let's hang let's Go do it Ikaku and eat like we to
1: kaku and dude i'll take you up on uh throwing it around a little bit there um i'm playing some music bruce
3: Man, let's do a Bebop Duo thing, man.
1: Man, dude, I'd just be happy to get in a room make it happen. I'd
3: love to do that, Alan. That would be a lot of fun,
1: man. Yeah, man. Fuck that big Marshall thing or whatever that thing
3: is. I'll use your new
1: deluxe, man. Oh, yeah, you can have it. (laughs) That's really cool. I think it might be a 64 or a 65. Uh, can't figure it out. It'll work. Great. Dude, who loves you guys? I, it's, I, I'm not used to talking this much. Well, you know, you get over it. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, it's really, it's cool to see people. And you know, I'm in here by myself. So
3: yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I like the mask.
1: Oh, thanks. This thing, it doesn't do shit. Yeah, well,
3: sure it does. No man, you can rob a bank with it. You know, yeah. I go
1: into the bank all the time with this thing. They're just, I know. They're just,
3: and they still take our money. Yeah, what the fuck? we're <laughs> supposed to take theirs when we wear shit like
2: yeah, that. Yeah, right. All right. And, and hey I, Troy,
0: now that you've been on the podcast, you can ex- expect even less calls than you were getting before. <laughs>
1: oh man, it's been slower than my first date with a nun. <laughs> 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 it's really been slow around here, but I've, <laughs> I've made some made some good stuff. I'm, uh, I'm
3: you know, you should have dressed her up as an altar boy.
1: Oh, I got I I got a good joke. You know why do the altar boys have their hair parted in the middle?
3: Oh Uh, God, good boy,
1: good boy. (laughs) There you go. Okay, there goes there
0: goes the Catholic. There goes
1: the neighborhood. Uh, Little
0: Catholic audience we had is now gone. Do you guys
1: have a theme song like Wank
3: Wank? Wank
0: wank. Yeah, that's it.
3: That guitar all day. We we, we do. It's 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 yeah. It's it's uh, all blues with a diminished scale,
0: basically. Uh, (laughs) It goes wank 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 wank, (laughs) all day. (laughs) Uh,
1: All right, who loves you guys? I'm signing off. I guess. All right, guys. Lesson
3: to you,
2: (laughs) dude. Stay safe. Okay, (laughs) be, be safe.